All right, welcome back to another episode of the Goal Post. We're coming at you after a packed NFL Thanksgiving day with a bit of recaps on these games first. Then we'll get you into a bit of NFL preview for Week 12. And we'll finish with NHL trending up and down, followed by another edition of our Goal Post picks. Without further ado, we'll get to our first game, Bills 28, Lions 25. Lions were hosting Buffalo, looking for their fourth straight win while Buffalo was playing their second game in Detroit in five days. It's a very back-and-forth game, especially in the first half. Detroit was in this game up until the final seconds, but Patrick, I think this game ultimately came down to coaching. I I think that's a great way to put it. I think Dan Campbell might have forgot how timeouts work. I'm not sure, but it all started with about 40 seconds left in that game when Amon Ra St. Brown had an opportunity to, to cut it up up the seam he had the blocks and I it looked like a possible touchdown at least a 15 plus yard gain but instead he sprinted to the sideline like there was two seconds left and they had no timeouts but they had three timeouts with 40 seconds left that started the trend of they just weren't managing the clock at all and Dan Campbell it's just he's a big raw raw coach but someone needs to take over the X's and O's for this team because that game at worst should have gone to overtime but instead it goes in for a Bills regulation victory and 21 seconds on the clock is too much time for Josh Allen absolutely and I think Dan Campbell fell victim to it but I also did too when I was watching this game they were marching down the field and I kind of got into the lull of oh they're setting up for a field goal here then they got to about the 50 and I looked at the time on the clock and they mentioned, and even Romo, I'll give Romo credit. He said, you know, they, they should be going for a touchdown here. I hate to give Romo credit, but it, it kind of snapped me back into it and thought, I, I don't know why the Lions are playing to for overtime here. They should still be playing for a win. So I, I saw the same, same thing. I was, I was yelling at the screen. I go, why are you playing for overtime? You are four and six, now four and seven. You've won three in a row. You have nothing to lose in this situation. Go for the win. And then just when you think they're about to, you know, run the ball in that third and one, get the first down, probably just let the clock run out because they were not managing and they didn't even realize they had timeouts. They throw it to the end zone on third and one, which stops the clock. And thankfully, they at least made their their field goals. So they tied the game up. But that play call was crazy to me, especially when you're running it, you're running it, you're moving the ball too. you're it wasn't even. The field goal is 51 yards. That is far from a gimme field goal in the NFL. Like, it, And it was close, too. I don't know if you saw it. It kind of wiggled back in. It was, it was like a nice drive, honestly, a little draw on it. But it was it was so frustrating. And I can only imagine what it feel like to be a Lions fan watching that game because I was just a Steelers fan just screaming. Just use your timeouts. Have some clock awareness of what's going on right now. And it came back to bite them in the butt. And you know what I mean? Good teams win, bad teams lose. And that's just the... Detroit Lions in a nutshell yeah I was about to say that looked like a classic Detroit loss which they've gotten themselves out of the habit of especially with these past three wins and they've started to look like a a truly different team but that was that was lines of old I mean when it falls down into the crunch time they're making bad decisions they have bad clock management and it's a game that was totally within their reach on the other side of the ball the Bills didn't look great they had a super sluggish third quarter that kind of set up a fourth quarter where they had all their offensive points in the second half coming within the last three minutes of the fourth quarter. And another 
game where you see this kind of dangerous trend where Josh Allen ends the game as the Bills leading rusher again. And when it falls into crunch time for the Bills, they fall back on Allen running and Allen throwing the ball to Stefan Diggs. And that worked out again today. Diggs finished with 15 targets, eight catches for a touchdown and had that major reception to set up the game winning field goal. But all in all, that's just not a sustainable model moving forward for the Bills. No, and not only did Josh Allen lead the team in rushing yards, but that hit he took on the last play of the game before their game-winning field goal, he got up very gingerly, and that is not what you want out of your starting quarterback. The Bills are just trying to get him injured before the playoffs. I swear to God, it's it's You cringe every time. And not only that, they made a move for a running back at the trade deadline who had two carries today. Yeah, an an above-average running back, I would say at least average. Naheem Hines is a solid running back in the NFL. And they are just using him on special teams. And I, I and I actually did that yesterday. I looked up on my fantasy football app. I said, I wonder how Naheem Hines did today. Like that was a big trade. I wonder if this guy's still getting points out of him. And he had like 0.5 points. He, he the only time you see him is special teams plays. They're not even mm-hmm. using because he's a very good receiving running back. So maybe I understand if you're not running rushing him 15, 20 times a game. I understand that, but use him. Because you're using Josh Allen and his legs way too much. And just when you think, it, like last week we were talking about how James Cook had a big game and it was kind of his uh, coming out coming on the scene party. Mm-hmm. He had two carries yeah. uh, in this game. So it was Singletary and Allen doing the rushing. Singletary, he didn't have a bad game, but I don't understand why they're relying on Josh Allen to run for first downs late in the game when you have when he like he's taking these big hits and defenders are it, it's it's fresh meat for them they're going low they're not dumb they're like oh, i know josh Allen's big but they're they're going at his knees and that's just it's dangerous and it's a recipe for disaster isaiah mckenzie had a very very nice game as well six catches 96 yards and a touchdown but yeah when you're talking about a trend that's developing like that on offense that wants to be the last thing the bills have to think about. This should be the automatic part of their team. And especially on the other side of the ball now where their defense is suddenly going to have a lot of questions. It was originally reported that Von Miller had a sprained knee, but recently just came out before recording that he now has a torn ACL and is going to be out for the year. Terrible injury for him. And it's just going to be a whole bunch of more question marks. They got Tredavious white back on the field but he played very limited snaps and they entered the game without Tremaine Edmonds. And in his spot was AJ Klein, a 31 year old guy who they picked up on waivers six days ago, who led the front seven in tackles. So there's certain aspects of this defense where you're kind of left wondering, is this really a Super Bowl caliber defense left anymore? I think they have the potential to be a good defense in this NFL, but it is the injuries adding up are not good. It comes out of terrible time, like you said, with Tredavious White just coming back this week, and now you lose Von Miller for the season, and who knows? It could be into next year as well with the torn ACL, depending on how the recovery goes. But it was not pretty. I know the Lions actually have, have an above-average offense, and allowing 25 points to them isn't the worst thing in the world. Because they did win the game at the end of the day. But this defense, it's... Uh, it's starting to become a little sketchy. Cleveland put up points on them. I know there's some garbage time points last week, but it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on as this uh, season goes on and into the playoffs when you know the phrase defense wins championships. So we'll see, but we'll see what happens. But as of right now, Buffalo is certainly relying on Josh Allen and that offense for the time being. 
I agree. It's going to be one of those questions that gets bigger rather than going away as they get closer towards the playoffs. That brings us into our next game, Cowboys 28, Giants 20, in a game where the Giants offense seemed to be put in a chokehold yet again and were unable to make the big drives. I think that everybody watching that game in the fourth quarter had zero to no belief that they were going to come back. And it sucks to say that, but I think this is finally the game where the Giants fraudulent, whatever you want to call it, is finally coming right into the spotlight. The the collapse has begun for the Giants. They have now lost three of their last four games, and it does not get much easier for them in their last six games of the year. They play the Commanders, the Eagles, the Commanders again, the Vikings, the Colts, and then they finish it off with the Eagles. So that is just... Everyone except for the Colts has a winning record in those games, and... It's just the Giants are trending down at a rapid pace right now. Saquon Barkley held under 50 yards again. The last two weeks, he's been held under 50 yards, and that is the only two times this season he's been held under 50 yards rushing with 22 yards last week and then 39 yards this week. They had a guy named Gary Brightwell, who doesn't even have a picture on his Wikipedia page, have uh, five carries for 31 yards. And Gary, it was... That's not a recipe for success. If you're a Giants team, Daniel Jones was fine. He, he, he's just, yeah, he's just it's fine really every week. He, he's never good or great, and he's never bad, but he's not good enough to go out there and be a quarterback to win you games. You don't, you're not a, he's not a quarterback that you win with, but he's not a quarterback you lose because of one of those yeah. guys. Yeah, I agree. And that he finishes the game with 210 yards and one touchdown, which came in the last 15 seconds of the game, also had a fumble. You don't want to deny the Cowboys all the credit for this. I think their defense played really well. They had three sacks, seven QB hits. They were able to shut down the Giants run game completely. But now the Giants sit third in that division. That was a huge game for the Cowboys to move into second, and they just keep inching closer and closer to kind of their own demise and and they're going to be fighting for these next few weeks to get wins yeah the giants need need a win very badly next week against the divisional rival the commanders uh the worst part is the giants looked really good in the first half getting two interceptions off deck they had a lead at halftime 13 to 7 and then in the second half it was they were non-existent they the cowboys had three consecutive touchdowns on them i know that the giants got one late ruined my cover, ruined my under. And I mean, Darius Slayton looked really good. He had a really nice catch, but it's just, it was a tale of two halves in that game. Yeah, And it was the Giants just, they needed one more score in that first half to take advantage of those turnovers. And they just really didn't keeping it out of one score game and half. And if you're this defensive unit, you kind of have to start feeling frustrated at a certain point, even though they didn't have a stellar second half, you still able to get two interceptions with a whole bunch of backups in too. I think they had like five or six backups in this game on the defensive side of the football. You get six tackles for loss. You get to Dak nine times and hit him. I mean, there's going to be a certain point where this defense just kind of gives out, where they run out of gas when they're trying to keep the Giants in all these games. Yeah, it was tough. A big, a big reason for this for them not scoring points was they went three for eleven on third downs when Dallas went seven for eleven on third downs. So that 
that's a that's game something that needs to be cleaned up. That's how you win games. You convert third downs. You extend drives. You you stay on the field longer on offense, and your defense gets rested on the bench. And you know you, you probably can win that game if you go six out of eleven on third down and just find a way to keep staying on the field longer, in which they yeah. couldn't. And absolutely, mean, speaking of drives, an absolutely bizarre tale of two cities for those last two Giants drives. I was just sitting there so confused. They're going down, they're down two touchdowns, and they have a slow-moving offense that drains five minutes and 41 seconds off the clock and then just stops on a fourth and nine and they turn over the ball. And then you have a last drive of the game, which while the Cowboys were kind of just containing, you still have a drive that seemed way more creative, like use their weapons properly and got a touchdown quickly. Yeah, they were dinking and dunking on that on that long drive that you were talking about, their second last one. It was it was similar to the Lions game where they just weren't managing the clock well. You know you have to go quick and you know you have to get chunk plays to make yeah. up yards and points very quickly, in which they didn't. Uh, and Dallas had that missed field goal too where they really could have just put the boots to them and finished them off. Made mm-hmm. a three-score game. They missed and then evidently the Giants went down and uh that was that was just it was that was a terrible beat i'm sorry i'm still not over it it was i had the giants minus 10 and under 45 and a half both lost on that last touchdown with eight seconds left tough it's that was tough it was definitely tough but it was nice to see ezekiel elliott have his legs back he looked exceptional out there he had that downhill speed again yes he, he looked fast he's got fresh legs and i think Mike McCarthy is finally figured out how to use them both because Zeke had 16 carries for 92 yards and Pollard had 18 carries for 60 yards. And that's a recipe for success. It's the complete opposite of the Giants. Yeah. The Giants running game has become non-existent. And now the Cowboys run game has become extremely prevalent and in your face. And they are, they are a physical team with a solid defense and the Cowboys look good. I, mm-hmm. I was, I was very impressed with the Cowboys and how they performed in that game. As a whole, I, I completely agree. It's not the most stellar game from Dak. You get two interceptions and a fumble, but he still gets 261 and two TDs, and he was good when they needed him to be. He it was, was, still it was a nice drive. bounce back from that first yeah. half. He came out, he did what Big he time. had to do, and, and he came out, and, and the Cowboys won the game. The offense won the game for the Cowboys. Yeah, that's a week, or that's a game where after putting the Cowboys in my top five teams in the NFL last week, I still feel confident, or if not, even yeah. more confident after that I think game. they're definitely in. They've solidified their spot in the top five. Yeah. Uh, last thing on this game, did you did you see uh, Dak Prescott's got got a wallpaper of himself? I did see that in uniform, not not like a picture with your buddies or something like a good memory. It's just Prescott number four in uniform, like a perfect photo too. It's yeah. just, I guess you're the QB of the Dallas Cowboys. Like I guess that comes with a certain I'm the shit factor. But come on, man, that's that's a different level of narcissism, if you ask me. Well, it, it kind of edged him closer to the Russell Wilson camp for me, just in terms of personalities. You're like, what are you Certainly, doing? Certainly, yeah. Favorite color is gray. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that brings us to the final game of Thanksgiving with another team that is vying to be proven as one of those top five NFL teams with Vikings 33, Patriots 26, and Kirk Cousins finally has his primetime coming out game to give the Vikings a must-needed win against the Patriots. Kirk Cousins must have heard us last episode talking yep. about him off one o'clock. He he showed out tonight. He he looked exceptional, but 
Justin Jefferson was the real highlight of that game for the for the Vikings. He had absolute game breaker. It was it's it's every week. And just when you think you're like, okay, he's he's a top five, he's top five, he's top five. I think he's number one. Yeah. I the agree. Consistency he's been doing it with. He had nine receptions, 139 yards, and a touchdown. But the recipe for the Vikings in this game was they spread the ball around to their three uh weapons perfectly. Like Kirk Cousins. It was beautiful. Thielen, nine receptions, 61 yards, touchdown. Hawkinson, five receptions, 43 yards, touchdown. Three different receivers, three different touch, all with a touchdown. The, the, the Vikings had to be very happy with how they responded from last week against the Cowboys. Absolutely. And I had that too, sharing the ball. And part of how Kirk was able to spread the ball so well is, is how good Jefferson was right off the bat. Like there were certain plays where he was getting even tripled at times in the red zone, like on that Thielen touchdown. Yeah, he was tripled. He drags yeah. almost three guys with him and leaves Thielen completely wide open. So you he see how he... of Thielen too. I know, <laughs> I know. So you see how he is not only breaking the game himself with catches, huge receptions, crazy plays, but he's also allowing that Vikings offense to kind of gel a bit better. And that was the best game from the Vikings offense we've seen in quite a bit. Yeah, it was, and I think you could honestly say the same about the New England offense. I agree. I agree. Mac Mac Jones. That was that was Mac Jones at Alabama against Ohio State in the national championship, throwing a throwing a Devontae Smith. It was it was I've never seen Mac Jones play as well as he did. He he, he was twenty eight for thirty nine, three hundred and eighty two yards and two touchdowns. Ridiculous. That that is and not they got it done by committee yeah. as well because they had five guys who had over sixty yards and. That was one of the best offensive performances we've seen from the Pats all year. And it and it kind of sucks that they lost this game in the sense that I think their defense and special teams actually killed them tonight. They did. I have a I got a quick stat. I think I'm addicted to these stats. It's from uh at Opta Stats on Twitter. This this is crazy. Tonight the Patriots or last night, sorry, the last night the Patriots scored 25 plus points, had 400 plus total yards, outgained their opponent completed 70% of their passes, had less than 60 penalty yards, had no turnovers, had no missed field goals. NFL teams in the Super Bowl era were 170 and 0 entering tonight when all that happens in a game. Good Lord. What a stat. Yeah, I I don't know what you say if you're if you're a Patriots fan. It I do think it came down to special teams as you said and that one overturned touchdown. Did you see the Hunter Henry play? I did. I did. Pats what? fans are going to be salty about that. It's it's karma for uh, Jesse James in 2017. It's almost the exact same play. And I, I, I think that's a catch. I think it, in my books, I know I'm not, I'm, take the rule books out of it. Just watching the play. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a touchdown. I think it was short, like on, on the half yard yeah. line, but I think it was a catch. At least yeah. they say just because he bounced, but he, it was weird. It was really weird. I'm not going to, it wasn't, it might've been the end all be all, but what actually won the Vikings this game was that 97 yard kick return. Like just the instant response right after new England goes up 23 to 16, you just boom, right back at you. Tie game. Here we go. A- absolutely killer. 97 yard kick return for Kenny and Wang and Wang. Bless you. Bless you. I hope, I hope I got that right. Who finished with 166 yards, like an absolutely crush crusher game from him. Um, they get 
a crucial 15-yard roughing the kicker penalty near the end of the game, and instead of giving Mac Jones another chance to win this game, the Vikings extend the drive and go get a game-winning touchdown, and that was definitely the TSN turning point, if you think about it. And and they just couldn't stop Cousins and Jefferson. They could not. It was uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting defensive performance on New England. You usually expect the opposite, where the defense is going to show out and the offense is going to definitely. You're waiting for the offense to get those points, but it was it was the opposite tonight. Judon was you didn't see him other than his red long sleeves that you just can't miss. But other than that, he wasn't really against the quarterback. wasn't causing havoc. Another thing that I noticed with the Patriots, they only ran the ball 13 times the entire game, which that's not a Bill Belichick offense that you usually see. I agree. And that is what we were kind of expecting coming into this game. I didn't bet on the over. I didn't think it was going to be an over game. No, not at all. Yeah, a complete kind of flip of the script in the sense that I guess when you do have Mac Jones rolling that well, you got to take advantage of it. But yeah, I I understood why. Yeah, I understood why they only ran at 13 yards, but I, I just found it very surprising from a from a Bill Belichick-led team who loves to control the clock, um, break the defense down, get their get their defense rest from running the ball and setting up the play action. But, I mean, they didn't need it. Mac Jones looked great, and eight times out of ten, you probably win that game with, the, with that stat line, but unfortunately, they uh, they did not. And in, I agree. The, in the wise words of the Rolling Stones, you, you can't always get what you want. Yeah, and looking ahead, I think we mentioned this last week, but the Patriots now have four games left against the AFC teams that are pretty much all must-wins, two against Buffalo, one against Miami, one against Cincinnati. It's a tough, tough sledding for them from here on. The, the, the Patriots, the Giants, and the Jets are all in very similar territory, and they got off to good starts, playoff positions, and now reality might be catching up to them pretty quickly i'm highest on new england out of those three teams though yeah i think i would agree too i think i believe in them the most and i I think new england's gonna they just find a way to be at worst 500 they'll be maybe a game above 500 and it's going to be week 18 and they're going to be in that last wild card spot or the the team that's just outside of it so we'll see how the season goes but i i think new england has the best chance out of those three teams yeah, I agree. I think it was a good Thanksgiving all around. I think there were some great games, better than I can remember in recent memory, kind yep. of having three games that were that at least entertaining all the way kind of the end. And love the John Madden stuff too. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, tribute to John Madden. Love Loved his video game. Didn't really get to experience his his play calling or game calling. Apologies. Yeah. We, we're young. We're very young kids here. And it's just... It was nice to see because he did have a huge impact on so many of the players that were out on the field and the announcers. Basically, a lot of Americans lived through John Madden, so it was nice to see him get his flowers. Definitely. I think it was a great Thanksgiving uh, overall, and happy Thanksgiving to all our American listeners. Yes, I'm sure there are many. And we're back now with a little NFL Week 12 preview. We're going to start with probably the most attractive game from the 1 p.m. slate, the Bengals at Titans. Bengals are favored by three. The over-under set for 43.5. And And this is just a classic AFC matchup in a meaningful game for both Cincinnati and Tennessee. Titans are looking to keep a firm grip of division lead while battling the Chiefs for that one seed. Bengals are looking to win three in a row and gain traction on catching Baltimore. 
and a little bit of a revenge game for Tennessee after the Bengals beat the top-seeded Titans in last year's AFC Divisional Playoff game. Yes, since he won that game 1916 last year, and then they eventually became the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Both teams are coming off very good wins. Last week, the Bengals beating the Steelers 37-30, in which their offense was firing on all cylinders. Tennessee with a big statement win at Lambeau, beating the Packers 27-17. Yep. The the matchup is going to really be the Bengals offense versus the Titans defense in this game. Since he's third in scoring average in the NFL at 26.5 points per game, but the Titans have the longest streak in the NFL in holding opponents to 20 points or less in seven straight games. So it's it's something that someone's got to give here. And with Joe Mixon being ruled out with his concussion, I'm siding with the Titans D in this one for the time being. Yeah, I think I am too. Um, I recently found out that about Joe Mixon. That's going to shake some things up. I think that this is one of the more even matchups we've seen in a regular season NFL game, maybe this year, uh, in the sense that, yeah, the Bengals are one of those buzzsaw offenses, third and points for fourth and passing yards. But again, that Titans defense has been an absolute juggernaut and they're looking to continue that streak of keeping uh, opponents to 20 points or less. I don't know if that'll happen necessarily this Sunday, um, but this time around the Titans have a fully healthy Derrick Henry, uh, Ryan Han- Tannehill is coming off one of his best passing games of the season against the Packers through for 333 and two touchdowns. And I think it's going to be a bit of a different story this time around. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I think the Titans are not getting respected this year I at agree. all. They're they're seven and three leading the AFC South by a, a good margin. They, they they've won that division. I know it hasn't. They don't have the X beside their name yet, yeah, but it's, it's they've won that division. That that team is built to win in, in the playoffs and win in, uh, late in the season in cold weather games. They have an excellent running game with Derrick Henry leading the league in rushing yards. Yep. T- also has ten touchdowns, not bad. And their defense in Vrabel, they just they know how to game plan around these teams. Even when they like they're playing teams like the Chiefs, like you just you just see them, they're just getting in people's faces. They're fired up. They're running on and off the sideline. They're just. Vrabel gets his teams ready to play and ready to play in big games. So I think Titans are going to come out strong this game, try and make a statement on defense. Jamar Chase is still questionable. He was limited in practice on Thursday. So I think that's a huge X factor in this game. It, I'm very surprised with this line. I don't know about you, but I would have this as a pick and the Bengals are catching three on the road. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Was it was one of my rat lines. Yeah, I had that in the Bucks-Browns line was a bit fishy too. I think it was three and a half bucks. But yeah, I think that this is a game where you easily lay the points with the Titans and you know even take one of those spooky little reverse uh, point spreads and maybe take them to be favored by three because I think eventually if the Titans get up and get rolling this game and their offense is clicking, it's going to not be a, a field goal game. This will be a touchdown game. And like you said, Tannehill's coming off his best passing performance of the league. They got rookie Traylon Burks back. He had a great game last week as well with seven receptions for 111 yards. So we'll see if he can keep going because their their offense is sneaky dangerous. When yep. they get that running game going with Henry, it opens up the play action. They do have deep ball threats, and Tannehill is a very competent quarterback in the NFL. As long as he doesn't make mistakes, he is he is fine. So that's 
that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Does Tannehill throw his interception? And if he does, what point in the game does he throw it at? Because if it's early, they can get away with it. If it's a tie game and they're trying to drive down for the lead and that's when he throws it, that could be the backbreaker. So that's something to keep an eye on this game. Definitely. So, and it's also uh, Perrine, who is the Bengals backup. He had three touchdowns last, last week against the Steelers. Killer. He's, it's not going to be that much of a drop off for the Bengals running game. He's definitely more of a receiving running back than a rushing running back, but it's, I think the Bengals offense will not really skip a beat. They're pretty reliant on if Jamar Chase comes back or not though. Yeah, I agree. That could be the game breaker. If they get him in and they can get him going on those big plays, they're kind of impossible to stop. And uh, this is a game where I like the over in it a lot. The Bengals have been yep. seven and one against the spread in their past eight. Uh, this kind of threatens to bring that to seven and two. Uh, I don't really like them with the points here, but this starts a bit of a gauntlet to end the Bengals season. They have the Titans this week. They have the Chiefs next week. And then in the last mix of their games, they face the Buccaneers, the Bills, the Ravens and the Pats. So those are all opponents who aren't going to be giving you easy wins. And this is going to be a bit of an uphill climb for the Bengals. Since he does have a tough road ahead, you like you said, it's it. They have a bunch of playoff games pretty much in their schedule lineup because it's. Yeah. I can see these two teams definitely meeting in January again, unless the the Titans. It's not out of the question for them getting the bye and being the number no, one I team. Agree. They, if they like, no one is talking about them, and they just keep winning games, and they look good. The one sneaky thing, as you said, with the Jamar Chase, if they get him back, the Titans. This this I was quite surprised seeing this. They're 30th in the league defending the pass. So mm-hmm. and Burrow with four touchdown passes last week. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. But since he needs to win games, they're at six and four right now, which is a solid record. But with that tough schedule, it's gonna be hard. They need to finish above 500 and find ways to win games like these against playoff contending teams. I agree. I think if they do manage to get out of this slate, they'll be one of the better tested teams going into the playoffs and some, some, you know, one of those teams where nobody wants to play them again, especially with what they did last year. But this will be an interesting game to see kind of what the direction of their season lies after that. Kind of see what they're made of with the schedule. We'll see. Because people like people think they're kind of a, a prettier team and they can't really run the ball, which I mean, take your pick. It is what it is. It, but they really need to show that they are a for real team that can win in the playoffs and beat these beat these teams that have better records than them. Yeah, two evenly matched teams that should have most of the attention in this one o'clock slate. That brings us to Falcons at Commanders, and the Commanders are favored by four points. The over under set at forty point five, and I think this is going to be the next best game in the one o'clock slate in another really even matchup um, between an entertaining. Atlanta offense and a solid Washington defense. Falcons have one of the best rushing offenses in football right now. They're ranking third in yards per game, sixth in yards per carry. But on the other side of the ball, Washington ranks sixth in rushing yards per game allowed and ninth in yards per carry. Yep, this is actually a a sneaky, exciting game in that one o'clock slot. I think this and the, the Bengals game are the two best, like you said. These are two teams that are in the hunt they're right outside the wild card spots the seasons are very alive for both of them it's borderline a must win for the falcons borderline i I think so too especially just where they're battling with that seattle 
Washington for that seven, eight, nine spot, it's going to be huge coming down the stretch here. It's the difference of going up to 500 or falling two games back of 500, which at this point in the season with six games left after this week, it's that you hard to make up ground need to stay around 500. And if the commanders win this game, Hey, Taylor Heineke, he is their resurgent right now. They look so much better with Heineke at quarterback. They got Jahan Dodson back. Who's leading their team in touchdowns with four. And so Their passing game has been very dangerous with Dotson, Samuel, McLaurin. McLaurin, sneaky, doesn't have that many touchdowns, but he's got a ton of yards. And they're they're two-headed monster with Gibson and Robinson in the backfield. The Commanders are a sneaky, good offensive team. We know they have the good defense, which they're getting Chase Young back, it looks like, this week, who will be joining the defensive lineup. Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, and Darren Payne, who all have six or more sacks this year, so... Their it's good defense just got defense. better. Yeah. yeah, it's intimidating. I would not want to go up against that team, especially they'll match up well with this run-heavy Falcons offense. Big time. We'll see if Drake London, Drake London, their rookie. So there's two rookie wide receivers, Jahan Dodson, which we mentioned, and now Drake London, who has touchdown receptions in back-to-back games, looking to make it three. And I think he's going to have to step up with Pitts going to the IR with his knee injury. He looks to be possibly out for the year not for sure and Caleb Huntley is limited also with his ankle so there's another running back that they might be missing so they're gonna have to rely on Mariota throwing the ball at some point in this game yeah that's why I feel comfortable I think with laying the points with the commanders is because Mariota is going to be forced to throw with that crazy Washington D front they've in the past five games only one team has rushed for more than 94 94 yards against the commanders which was the Colts and I think that if they can get that pressure on Mariota and make him uncomfortable and throw, this is Washington's game to win. I also think a lot of this game is going to ultimately come down to Taylor Heineke and how he plays. Atlanta gets a lot of pressure on QBs. Washington has kind of struggled with pass protection a bit this season. And it's a even matchup in the sense that if one of those game breakers goes either way, that this game could go either way. Yeah, I th- I think this game is going to be a battle. I like the over 40 and a half personally. I know we've mentioned Washington's good defense, but I think the the Falcons are going to have to get are going to get in a position where they will have to throw the ball, which will lead to quicker drives rather than their uh clock killing running uh offense that they usually run. Both teams are coming off a win, so it's not like either team's looking for a bounce back win here. They're both feeling confident, they're feeling good about themselves. So once again, similar to how the Bengals offense is facing the Titans defense, something's going to have to give here. It's either the Commanders go to 7-5 and five or the Falcons go to 6-6, six and six and whoever wins this game is in a pretty good position to be contending for that last wildcard spot in the NFC. Yeah, I got a good stat. Atlanta would be 500 with a win and haven't been 500 or better this late into the season since 2017, which was the last time they wow. both had a winning record and made the playoffs. So I believe that's when kinda... uh, the 28 to 3 year in the Super Bowl. I believe it is too. As yeah. spooky as that sounds for Atlanta fans. Yeah, sorry to listening. all the Falcons fans listening to this. Yeah. Uh, Washington's looking to kind of play catch up in that division and they're trying to kind of consistently land that spoiler spot in 8-9 seed, especially because that's something Atlanta's hunting for themselves. The Commanders quietly are climbing that division, and with this win, will they go ahead of the Giants? 
Or will they? Uh, they I think that no, because the they haven't played each other yet. Because they still have two games remaining in yeah. the season against each other. So I don't know what the head to, the head to head is is a wash right now. Mm-hmm. But they'll. Yeah, that's a good question. One sec. Let me. Nope. The Giants. The Giants will have a have a better record. Uh, the Commanders haven't had their their bye yet. Right. Yeah. But still, they're they're gaining gaining big traction there. They are. They're they're trending up, and the Giants are trending down for the moment, as we like to. Uh, talk about hockey that's our nfl trending up and down it's i i believe in this commander's team they're fun to watch they're exciting to to root for like i do too and they have great offensive weapons it's just undeniable at this point yep and carson wentz i don't know how but he just wasn't able to use them he looked i can't believe how different this team looks with heineke at quarterback compared to wentz and wentz i don't think should ever get a starting job in the nfl after after like it, it, I think things are, are looking very bleak for him. Yes. Good career. Luckily, he made a gajillion dollars from yep, the made Eagles. a made a ton of money. Was an MVP candidate one year. Yep. Who remembers? Uh, that brings us to our four o'clock slate. Uh, there's a bit of, there's a couple of stinkers in the one o'clock. So we're going to move things on here to the chargers at Cardinals. Chargers are favored by three. The over under set at 48. And these are two teams who have been in a bit of a free fall for the past few weeks. Um, the Cardinals haven't been good. They've been an absolute mess, haven't been able to get their offense going. And with facing another good QB and Justin Herbert, the defense isn't going to have an easy time either. Yeah, both these teams are trending down. Also, they both lost three of their last four games. Uh, the Chargers have lost two of those games by one score, so they're in it. The Chargers are definitely the better team here. I don't think that's a question at all. I, no, I agree. It's it's tough when the Cardinals are one and five at home for me to have any confidence in them in winning this game because they just it's weird. And, and the Chargers have a winning record on the road, so it's kind of a recipe for the Chargers to win this game. And I think they cover that three, no problem. I was very surprised. This was the third rat line I had on this, my list. Yeah, this I, is a this is something that I. I don't understand it, but I mean, they know better than I do. So yeah, I'm sure I mean, I'll the Cardinals play. having to play a playoff contender on a short week isn't really ideal for them, even if things were right for them. And this is a prime Chargers game where they're trying to get right. Herbert's coming off one of his better games of the season against the Chiefs, where he had 76% completion, two touchdowns. And it's an opportunity not only for the Chargers, but Herbert as well to get right. And with the Cardinals defense giving up four passing touchdowns in Mexico City against the 49ers, I think you're right. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, the the Chargers have the 12th ranked offense versus the Cards 24th ranked defense. It looks like Kyler will be making his return. So at least we won't have to watch Colt McCoy play football anymore. Thank Um, God. It looks like Rondell Moore is out, though, for the Cardinals, their second wide receiver. So look out for Greg Dortch in your fantasy leagues. He had 10 receptions for 103 yards last week and a loss. But that's those are solid numbers for fantasy. The, in this game, I there's two safeties that I love watching play football. Derwin James, who leads all defensive backs and tackles this year with 92. He is just he's my most fun safety to watch. Yeah, and then Buda Baker on the other side with, with 10 tackles last week, and he's got 448 tackles over the last four years, which leads uh, all defensive backs. It's, it's Quietly exciting. Quietly having a great year. He's, he's one of the lone bright spots on that team. Also, yeah. all-time name, all-time name team. 
Buddha Baker. Gotta love that. Uh, it also looks like Mike Williams, he did not participate on Thursday, so I don't think he will be in the lineup, which will hurt the Chargers passing game, but he's been out for a while. So look for Keenan Allen to hopefully just step up and take charge of this Chargers offense. Receiving Big wise. time. After being out for so long, too, with that hamstring injury, he got in last week, but you got to figure this is the game where he finally feels actually really comfortable to get things going. Chargers have lost three of their last four, and the past two losses have come by six and three points. So I think I'm going to lay heavy with the Chargers on this one. And I think that's where most of kind of people's heads are at with this game. One last thing I had was that the clock's obviously running out on Coach Cliff Kingsbury, but you got to figure like they maybe even if they get embarrassed in this game, they maybe even make that firing now. I I have both both coaches somewhat on the definitely yeah. seats are warm for both. I think Kingsbury's seat is definitely hotter. He the arguments you just see DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, they're just screaming at him, just so upset that the team's disorganized. There's no stability. It looks like on offense, it seems like it's kind of a free for all. Do whatever you want. There's going to be no accountability. No one's going to actually make you. No one's going to hold you accountable for your mistakes. You're just going to end up yelling. And there's not a lot of chemistry, it seems like, on this Cardinals team. But Staley, his his record as the head coach of the Chargers is 14 and 13. So if they lose this game, he falls to 500, hasn't made the playoffs, and what a lot of people believe to be as one of the most talented rosters in the league. So it's yeah. it's a big make or break for both these coaches. Like You need to win this game if you're the Cardinals or if you're the Chargers to keep both your seasons alive, it seems. Absolutely. The shine's worn off a bit on Staley. I think he was one of those new, like, fun coaches that everybody was, you know, hopping on board with when he got hired. But, yeah, it's kind of, he's had a few bad losses, too, like real heartbreakers. And those start stacking up. So this has to be a game where the Chargers come out strong, and it's never a doubt who's going to win this game the whole time. Yeah, it's, it's getting to the point where there's going to be a stigma around the Chargers that they can't win close games if they keep losing these one-score games. Yep. It's not going to be it's, – it's something that people are going to be talking about for the Chargers, and you need to win close games, which teams, you know, like the Giants have. That's why they have such a good record right now. They might not be the best team, but they're winning games that they need to win when, yeah. it's, when it's tight and it's in crunch time. So Staley will like to see what you got, and Kingsbury, pressure's on, buddy. Pressure's on. He's certainly on the hot seat. That'll bring us past a couple other meh four o'clock games into the night game where despite being four and seven, the Packers against the Eagles still moves the needle. I don't care what you say. You see this game on the score box coming up and it's something that you still get excited about. Uh, The Packers and Aaron Rodgers have clearly their toughest test of the season so far going against the Eagles defense that's tied for first in interceptions and second in pass yards allowed per game. And it's going to be a bit of a grind for them. Yeah, Packers have this is as low as they've been, I think, in our lifetime. And when you really look back on it, I've never, never seen a Packers team at four and seven. So that's a sight to behold. The Eagles, on the other hand, are trending as good as I think we've seen in our lifetime. They have the best record in the league with 9-1, and and it's the sixth time the Eagles have been 9-1, in which all of those other teams, the past five, have made the championship game. Yeah, I saw that. We'll see if this team can live up to to that pressure that the other teams have left behind them. Another thing to look out for in this primetime game, Eagles blackout uniforms. 
Absolutely. That was one of the highest things on my list. The Phillies looking to give the final death blow to Green Bay season, and they're in all black to suit the occasion. Uni Swag is going to have a ball with this one. I'm excited to see how they look. I think all black is one of the most intimidating looks you can have in football. Steelers Absolutely. have an all black color rush. The Commanders all black jerseys look great. I, I'm excited to see how they look. I've seen a couple pictures, but it doesn't do it justice until you see it on your TV, especially in a Sunday night game against the Packers. It's perfect. And I think this is one of those games where something about the magic of Sunday night, even though the Eagles are six and a half point favorites, which I don't think that they'll cover this. I think I'm going to take the Packers to cover this game. I think this okay. is going to be a field goal game. If the pa- if the Packers can kind of rise to the occasion and look to get yards in any way that they can, um, when the Eagles lost against the Commanders in Week Ten, uh, Avante Maddox, a slot corner for the Eagles, is out and is still out, and they moved Terry McLaurin inside and were burning them all day. It was really successful for them, and so the Packers might move to similarly uh, put Christian Watson inside as well, and if they can get yards off of a very hot Christian Watson and score TDs. I don't know. There's something about this matchup where I still feel confident that the Packers will at least cover and make this a game. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really have a a feel on this game for the side. I think I like the over, but I'm, I'm liking too many overs this week and that's never a good thing. Um, I, I was on the Eagles last week, which was a six and a half point spread also. And they, they didn't cover, they weren't covering at any point in that game. Nick Sirianni still just getting on the bench and screaming at fans after a one point win over the the Colts. I that is we've talked a lot this episode about recipes for winning and recipes for losing. Your head coach showing that much emotion after a football game when you're you're nine and one and you just beat a below five hundred football team that's embarrassing. Like that yeah, that yeah. is that is the last thing you want to see out of your head coach, GM, any anyone that's even associated. That's something that the the weight, the strength and conditioning coach does. Yes. What is your head coach doing? Standing up on benches and screaming at Colts fans saying that's for Frank Reich, who guess what? Deserved to be fired, dude. I don't care if he got you your job. He was not good with the Colts. They weren't winning games and they had to change. And Jeff Saturday has honestly had this Colts team playing pretty well over those last two games. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I, I don't mind your, your Packers pick because six and a half is a good amount of points. It's a lot of points. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the NFL. These, both mm-hmm. these teams are getting paid to play, paid to play football. And like you said, Christian Watson with five touchdowns in his last two games mm-hmm. out of nowhere, out of, yeah. out of nowhere. He was, I everyone knew like who he was. I think he might've had some, some preseason fantasy hype. People were telling you to keep an eye on him and, up until probably two weeks ago, he was probably on your your free eight, your waiver wire in fantasy. So if yeah. yeah, if he's still out there, go pick him up because he has become the Packers' lead touchdown threat, overtaking our boy Alan Lazard. I know it's killer. And that was one thing I had headed into this game. Rodgers is still fourth in TD passes, sixth in passing yards and completions, despite literally being 39 years old and seemingly the whole problem in Green Bay. And while he's been not his best of late, he still has 13 TDs over his last seven games. Those four interceptions within those mix haven't been great. That He had a couple red zone TDs, which you know you really aren't used to seeing with Aaron Rodgers, but it can't really all be blamed on him. The defense has been a bit lackluster as of recent as well. 
And I think this is a, a potential get right game for Rodgers. He's back in prime time after a less than stellar performance against the Bills back in prime time on that Sunday night a few weeks ago. So uh, this is a game where I, I like I like the Packers. Yeah, and I, I, I can't go against you on that side. It's not like I like the Eagles. I don't love the Packers. Yeah. I think this will be a good game, and I, I like how it's in primetime. I think it's a good primetime matchup. It's it, it's a test for the Eagles. That's kind of what it is because yeah. I think they're feeling the pressure a little bit of being 9-1, and one, and you, know, you got the city of Philly who their fans are just – they're crazy. And they boot them when they lost yeah, to the it's, Commanders. It's, yeah, it's tough. It's I mean they're never they're never satisfied. And Aaron Aaron Rodgers would love to play spoiler right now. I'm sure he hates the Eagles. He's been playing them his whole life. Uh, his his thumb injury kind of came out recently. He's been nursing that since the Giants game, I believe he mm-hmm. said. Yeah, uh, I guess keep an eye on that. But I think it's somewhat healed from what it originally was because that was a while ago. So hopefully he's uh, he's fully healthy and ready to go. Another so, something to keep your eye on in this game is the Eagles have the best turnover margin in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So if they can somewhat put pressure on Rodgers, and we've seen that recently with him, he only has four interceptions on the year. But we when it's bad, it's bad for Rodgers. He has those yeah. games where it's it all comes in bunches. So we'll see what happens with that. Dallas Goddard being out for the Eagles also hurts their offensive threat a bit because now they'll be – it was a three-man attack with him, Smith, and Brown all having over 500 receiving yards, but now they only have Brown and Smith, so someone's going to have to step up for the Eagles. Yeah, that was one thing I also had circled for this game is definitely that it's a game where I'm looking at their offense. Hurts looking to continue his MVP-like season – He's got 2,407 yards passing, and he ranks fourth in total yards and fourth in total TDs. He's got 23. This is a game where you're going to want to see Hertz, if he is the MVP, put on an MVP-like performance. Yeah, this is one of those, uh, in college, they call them your Heisman moment games, but in this yep. in the NFL, it's, it's your MVP moment. You're on prime time against Aaron Rodgers, last year's MVP. So it's it's an opportunity for Jalen Hurts to to not shock the world because they're six and a half point favorites, but to to show the world his abilities and what he can do with this Eagles offense. Absolutely. So it's going to be something to look out for. That's the games we're looking at for Week Twelve. So we'll come back and talk to you guys next week and see how those games go. All right, and we're back with. The segment we like to call NHL trending up and down. We're going to switch gears into the NHL a bit here and give you a bit of a rundown on the teams who have been doing well and those who haven't been doing well. And I have to leave this up with the Leafs. I just have to as a fan. Absolutely. I think that the Leafs ended the Devils 13 game winning streak after winning 2 1 in a contentious game in New Jersey where three goals were disallowed. This left the Devils one win shy of a franchise record and embrace debate were they justified it it was a bit of a a gray area you're never justified in throwing garbage on the ice while players are on the ice you're that's you're never justified in that no more so for the goals i was just gonna say yeah i I was i was gonna i was gonna get there with the i think one of those goals should have counted i believe it was bastion who is his foot was in in the crease and they're they're saying that uh the, the skates of the goalie and Bashi made contact, which even that if they one was did, the same one I, I had don't, as Tiki Tacky. That's yeah. I I like to see that as a goal. I think a good test for that is 
if that was called against you, how upset would you be? And I think right. if that was the other way, I think Leaf bands would be quite upset, screaming for that to be a goal. The, Absolutely. The one was was that where uh, the goalie fell down for Leafs. I think that was a stand. You like have that's, to call that's that. goalie interference. I'm good with that. And then I just didn't really know the rules surrounding that kicking one. It was yeah, that was to me. something yeah. I wasn't really familiar with. It turns out that even if it deflects off something else, if it's any sort of intentional kicking motion towards the net, that it's going to be waved off. And that was just the breaking point. So I one, think it, just to poke a little, just playing devil's advocate, yeah, because obviously yeah. the game happened, that kick technically wasn't towards the net. Right, because it was towards more of his stick, which was kind yeah. of parallel with the net, right? Then which hit gets off into a super player's murky skate. area. Yeah, and went in. My my theory on that is like I'm I'm fine with you calling that no goal as long as there there's consistency around that rule because I don't think we've seen too much too many examples of that before. So yeah, I'll definitely keep them on the back of the memory bank if we see something like that again. But the the least player never like directed that into that. If, if someone like kicked, if the Devils player kicked it and uh, it hit off a least player's stick and it looks like he kind of pushed into net, then I'm saying that's a goal. It's, yeah, it's for your sure. Own goal from least, but if it just it, it, I don't know. It was not going. It, he tried to kick it to his stick. Scott I stick find trouble, it, yeah, and, uh, when, to say like he wasn't kicking it to his stick when you are like a foot and a half in front of the net. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. he wasn't kicking it to his stick. But it's like, okay, he was definitely getting it to his stick, which was right in front of yeah. the net. So it's like, it's a bit of a tough, tough call. The Devils fans took this sourly, man. That's that's not something you expect. I mean, I don't really know what the New Jersey fan base is like. They. They're obviously the the armpit of uh, New York. There, it was I know the third team. Like the the it's the Jersey Devils had a nice story going, really nice story. Absolutely, like players you want to root for. Jesper Bratt, he sure having a great year. Jack Hughes, if you're American, you love to see him playing well. And like how quickly it turned. I mean, obviously that we don't know like what's going to happen after this game, whether they're going to go and rip off 10 in a row, go on a little losing streak. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But for your fans to, I understand being upset, you know, things aren't really going your way in that game, but to start throwing garbage on the ice at players and even your own, like you said, Eric Hollow was trying to say, no, 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 stop throwing. And he gets hit with something. So it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, even in the sense of, I, I think you're supposed to, I think by the rules, you're supposed to give the home team a penalty too, like a delay a game penalty for when shit like that happens. If they challenge it, it's it's a penalty, yeah. Oh, oh, when the fans well, no, throw stuff when on the, the fans, ice. Yeah. Okay, I don't, I don't know about that. And the, yeah. I think it's like as if it's something super major, like when they're stopping the game to, to like actually clean up the ice like that, but there's no way. Can you imagine the, the refs giving oh a delay God. a game? It, the it, place would too, it would get worse. They'd find yeah. bottles. They'd get the yeah. bottles on the ice. But yeah, like the least players had to clear the bench and stuff. It was, it was an ugly yeah. scene at the Prudential Center. Yeah, on the bright side of things, Mitch Marner continues his own heater, extending his point streak to 14 games. Sneaky. <laughs> the sneakiest heater in the league. Uh, John Tavares scores his 12th goal and is on pace for 47 for the second time in his career, surprisingly, when he's back with Mitch Marner on the same line. Who would have thought? It's nice to see Tavares playing well. I'm, I think I'm, so I'm obviously not a Leaf fan, but I've, I've always rooted for John Tavares from when he got drafted to the Islanders, to Team Canada, to, to even now. I think he's probably my favorite leaf to cheer for and yeah, he's an unproblematic king yeah he's captain he, he leads by example and a lot of people were getting on him for that contract and his his performance last year and then the playoffs obviously didn't help him but it, it's nice to see him bounce back he seems to be a leader on this team and he's he's leading by example with his play on the ice 
Yeah, despite a heavily injured decor and goalie group two, the Leafs still have 27 points and are fifth overall in the league, second in the division behind the Bruins. So for that reason, I have them on my trending up. Yeah, that that defensive uh, core is going to be something to to keep an mm-hmm. eye on later later on in the year. Yeah, the last team I had on my trending up was Pittsburgh. They've won four games in a row and are returning to form in a weird kind of fluid Metro division right now. There's a lot of movement going on with that division. They sit only three points back of the second in the division Islanders and are looking to make it five straight against the Flyers Friday night. Uh, I like the Penguins puck line in that. We'll actually get to that a bit in our pick segment, but Crosby and Malkin seem to be in vintage form, 27 and 20 points respectfully. Jake Gensel's back at full health finally, and I think they're set to really go on a tear. Yep, Crosby's got 10 points in his last four games. The Penguins are 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. And it was pretty much ever since that first game against the Leafs on that Hockey Hall of Fame night, it was that was the yeah. beginning of their ascendance up into this trending up category. You you always knew that the Penguins were going to be there. And I know yeah. they got off to a slow start, but Penguins are always there. They have that core, which is they're in somewhat of a last dance territory, all in their three-year contracts signed this year. Yep. So it's it's something to keep an eye on. That They're getting their goaltending. That's helping huge. And it, I don't know. The Penguins are just, I've, I've expected, I've come to expect this out of the Penguins. It's similar to the Bruins. It's similar to, to teams like that, that they just win. And yeah. I, I, I was going to say, yeah. Yari and DeSmith are starting to look like one of the more solid tandems in the league. And if they can keep playing well, yeah, it's something you expect come playoff time for Pittsburgh to be in the mix. Who did you have for trending up? I have the St. Louis Blues, who got off to a terrible start in the season. I think people probably forgot that they were even a team sometimes. But they have won seven of their last eight games, and they now jump above 500 and into fourth in that uh, central division. Uh, Three points back of Colorado and Winnipeg, who are in second and third, respectively, in that division. But yeah, it's nice to see the Blues bouncing back. A lot of those players go off to slow starts. Cairo, Buchnevich, Tarasenko, Bennington didn't look great in that, but they, they've all seemed to come around with uh, Barube. That's a good coach. Like He's one of those guys, like he gets your guys ready to go, similar mm-hmm. to a Vrabel type of coach. Tough, hard-nosed kind of player, and his team is, is following in his footsteps. Yeah, St. Louis has been here before. Obviously, when they won their cup, they were – close to dead last in the league at this point in the season. So they're one of those teams where you now, because of that culture, because of that run, especially with Barube, because he's still there, they're a team that you're still going to believe is going to be in the mix, especially in the West. Yeah, one team, one thing to look at for the Blues, though, which might be an area of concern, is they do have a minus 10 goal differential, despite being 10-9-0. They're going to have to start, they're winning games close and in low scoring. So maybe... They could be a possible under team in the future if you're looking at betting the puck. Good to keep in mind. Good to keep in mind. On to the trending down side of things. I have leading my trending down the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, the Flyers were due to come back down to earth by nearly every metric that exists, but it's been a harder fall than most have expected. They've lost eight in a row and have a dash 15 goal differential. They're two, five, and three in their last 10. There's only so much Torts can really do at the end of the day. Torts and Carter Hart against the world with this team. I mean, Carter Hart has a 2.6 GAA and a 920 save percentage in 14 games despite this roster. 
Yeah, going into the season, I had the Flyers as as my last place team in the NHL. <laughs> I was worried after their start that that would be a terrible take, but it seems as if the uh, they're finding their way back to the basement of the league. They've lost eight in a row. I know you, you mentioned two, five, and three in their last 10, but losing eight in a row is not where you want to be. Torts, Torts got the boys going early, got, got them fired up, gave them a little rah-rah, but yeah. I think he's... Torres can lose his voice that quickly in a room, being that with that kind of coach. And mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see how the Flyers bounce back. Obviously, this is I don't think they're gonna lose every game in the league, every game remaining. But they, they don't have the worst record. They're seven, eight, and five. That which shows how good of a start they got off to. They yeah. are the they're five points back at the Rangers, fourth in the Metro, and the Hurricanes, who are also at 24 points. So the Flyers aren't out of it, but boy, do they need to turn things around quickly here. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned my second trending down team, the Carolina Hurricanes. They have had a tough past 10 games going 3-4-3 three, and three, and are currently on a four-game losing streak. The only wins that came in that span were against the Blackhawks, Sabres, and Oilers. So they've fallen second to last in that division in a stacked Metro division. That's kind of moving a lot right now. And if they're not careful, they're going to get stuck there kind of pretty soon. Yep. Yeah. It's Carolina's one of those teams where you expect them to be top three in the East. Yeah. Maybe when, when the season's all, all done at the, at the beginning, that's what I thought. Brenda Moore has been a great coach and, and that team gets up to play for them. Like you said, in that, in that Metro where, where things are happening, the devil's Islanders, uh, Rangers and Penguins, who are the top five and the Hurricanes being in third, those four teams all have plus five or more goal differential. And the Hurricanes, who are sandwiched in third, just have a have a flat zero. They're even on yeah. goals for and against, which is I know I know we we highlight that stat a lot, and it's not it's not always the end all be all, but it's definitely a, a bit of a telling stat to say the least. And if the Rangers I mean, they lost four nothing to the Coyotes, most they're trending recently. down. That's yeah, brutal. and you know the Rangers are who have been kind of, we'll say average this year for what we expected out of the Rangers. They're going to find it mid, as the kids say. Yes, yes, mid. They they're starting to find it. They're ten seven and four, tied with the Hurricanes, and it, I mean, other than the Devils, it's they're very tight with the Islanders to the Penguins, and then it drops off to the Flyers. So. Yeah, the Hurricanes can't lose too many. They're gonna have to keep winning games if they want to make the playoffs, and I, I think they will. I think this is a little blip, but it's yeah. it's it is something to, to keep an eye on and something to highlight. Mm-hmm. Who did you have for your trending down? I think the Chicago Blackhawks are the worst team in the league right now. Somehow worse than the Flyers. They've lost five in a row, um, all all by two or more goals. So there's a perfect another gambling little tidbit. Fade the Blackhawks, take the other team on the puck line. Should be pretty profitable for you. But this is another one of those teams similar to the Flyers where you just you knew they were going to be basement dwellers for the majority of the season. They got off to a hot start again. They, they are the Flyers of the of the Western Conference. It's definitely they're the definitely. exact same team. They got some aging veterans that just don't have help around them. Uh and it's I, I don't really know what else to say, but they're two seven and one their last ten have a minus 20 goal differential and it's you got to feel bad for Patrick Kane yeah I mean I guess that it's going to solidify the writing on the wall that he's likely gone out of there in at least the near future if not after this season it's it's a story that 
everybody expected. Everybody expected this Hawks team to be horrible. And yeah, they're finally coming down to earth. There's a lot of teams that are right now. We're we're starting to see the real NHL, I think, kind of. Yeah, and and one thing I might be really wrong about is th- the Kraken just keep winning. The Kraken just keep winning. I I'm still gonna gonna stick with what I believe in that they are not playoff team. So all Damien, you guys can't see us, but Damien is repping the Kraken right now. The Kraken shirt on for the boys. Shane Wright's got three goals and two AHL games. I'm I mean, joining the bandwagon. We'd probably be better early. suited getting those for the Kraken, but that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Kraken are winning games. 8-1-1, one, one, their yeah. last 10, and we'll, we'll see. But that's a nice little feel-good story for you in the NHL. Definitely. And that's going to do it for trending up and trending down. Just one more thing. Uh, we're taping this live during Toronto uh, Mini, and Marner just scored. So that is now 15 games in a row. Congratulations, bad, Mitch Marner. Not bad. Congratulations, Mitch Marner. All right, and we're back for our last segment here. We introduced it last week. It's called Goalpost Picks. I'm coming into the week five and one. Patrick's coming into the week three and three. It's going to be six picks from each of us across football and hockey. And I'm going to start with mine. I got Dolphins, Texans over 47. I think it's one of those overs that should be pretty automatic. Dolphins are coming off their bye and have been putting up a ton of points every week. Uh, The Texans have looked a bit feisty as of late, so I think that they can put up the other points kind of necessary to get this to 47. I think this one shouldn't be the sweat. Uh, The sweat that I am going to take a bit closer is that Bengals-Titans over 43. I think that this has the potential to completely bust open this game. But if the Titans D stays strong, Joe Mixon being out ends up being a big factor. Jamar Chase doesn't go off, then this game could go under. So I'm kind of half and half there. Uh, I'm going to round out my NFL picks with Chargers minus five and a half. I'm going to take the alternate line from three and bump it up to five and a half. Uh, That's kind of how confident I feel that the Chargers are going to at least win this game by a touchdown. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I got the Packers six and a half to cover. So those are my NFL picks. What do you think? I had uh, the Miami-Houston over, and I also had the Chargers minus three circles for me. I obviously won't take them because for the for the competition we have, but I definitely like those picks. Like I said earlier, I don't really have a feel in that Packers-Eagles game, but mm-hmm. definitely don't hate taking the points with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, what was the – you had the Titans-Bengals over? Yeah, 43. Yeah, I, I I think that uh I think that's possible. I agree it's probably your sweat out of your picks. I, I don't really know where that game's gonna go. I think the Titans want it to go under if if mm-hmm. they you know what I mean, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't mind them. You you got the record right now, you're five and one, so looking to stay hot here. My yep. last two picks are gonna be from the NHL coming on the Friday night. Uh so we'll make sure to get the graphic out. So if anybody wants to tail on this Friday night, I got the penguins. Puck line against the Flyers, skidding Flyers. Penguins should be able to get uh, two goals here above them by the end, and I got it at plus money, so that's always good. And then my final pick is going to be the Devils' Sabres over 6.5. I feel like this is an absolute layup for an over. The Sabres have been scoring a ton of goals, and I think the Devils are going to be trying to kind of exercise their demons after having three goals disallowed. Yeah, Buffalo Buffalo overs have been a, a nice trend a in the NHL yeah. season this year, along with your uh, Tage Thompson anytime that you like to parlay. Big uh, time. Yeah, I I like those picks. I, li- I like yeah. all those picks. You. Uh, what do you got? What do you got? 
Um, I told myself I wouldn't do it. I I told myself I wouldn't do it. I I didn't learn my lesson from last year, but I'm I'm fully on my Ohio State swag. I think Ohio State pumps Michigan this this Saturday. I feel very good about where they're at. I'm taking the minus eight. That is the line at this current moment. And with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, their backup, their starting and backup running back, respectively, being questioned. No one really knows what's happening if they play, how healthy they're going to be. It, I think that's that's the only way Michigan wins games. I would love to see JJ McCarthy beat us, and if he beats us, I will have to change my my tone very quickly about that Michigan team. But I, I was feeling nerves a lot this year going into it especially with everything on the line, two 11 and 0 teams fighting for that wild that fighting for that playoff spot. It's, it's stressful. It's stressful in this game. It's only the second time since 2006 that these teams have been 11 and 0 going into the game. And I think that line Ohio state minus eight is, is telling. I would have put this at Ohio state minus three, maybe minus three and a half. So, that being yeah, minus think, eight, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I, I think I have to. I also, I'm not putting this on the record, but this game usually goes over. Yeah. Yeah, that was one thing I had for this game was definitely I like it for an over. And I think you're in the right lane as even looking as an impartial bystander. If OSU wins this game, they're going to win it by eight. Like that, I think they that's put up the difference. Yeah, yeah, they put up points. Yeah, if they lose, it's going to be a absolute nail biter, I think. But if... If OSU is winning, I think that it's going to be a game where they can cover eight for sure if their offense is is firing. And it's one that I think you can feel more confident about than maybe previous bets on matchups in the past few years. Yeah, I, I'll i know on the first three drives for Ohio State if they're going to win this game or not. And that's yeah. how predictable their offense has been this year. Mm-hmm. You don't really know which team you're going to get. And you, you just... If they score points early that Michigan will have to play a different style of offense in order to keep up. And I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with the Ohio state offense and Ohio state's defense is much improved from last year. So I'm just hoping they won't be able to bully us like they did last year, but I like it. I like who it. Knows, what else who do you have? I have Notre Dame plus four and a half against USC. I think it's uh, a team that Notre Dame, that USC hasn't faced uh, when playing Notre Dame, they're a tougher, stronger team going to play a different uh, style of football and I think they just match up well I'm going to take the LSU Tigers minus 10 against Texas A&M I think Texas A&M is one of the worst teams in college football and I think that LSU has to win every game on they'll get up for games because they have to win every remaining game because they still have a chance against the playoff if they win the SEC championship yeah I like that a lot um I'm in. I'm all football this week. I'm so that's yeah. three. I'm. I have four picks on my on my board here. So I just I just got to pick the right ones. I'm going to go. And if you watch this game, you're you're probably a bit of a sicko. But I'm going to take Wake Forest minus three and a half against Duke. I think that Wake Forest is just a good team. Sam Hartman's a good quarterback, and I just I think they they, they handle Duke. That line's a little concerning. But I think it's that that low because it's at at Duke. Uh, shifting the NFL, I'm taking the Titans money line, not plus three. I'll take the money line. Give me the plus, and I, I like will that. end my picks with 
Just a disgusting pick. Denver, Carolina, under 36. Ugh. Under. Oh, my God. Denver unders have been amazing for me this year, so I might as well start getting getting them out and putting them out, but the total just, keeps, is the, the total just keeps getting lower every week for the Broncos, so mm-hmm. it's, it's becoming a, a challenge, a personal yeah. challenge that I have. And my and only like – did you have any other picks out there like that you circled or highlighted that you're – um, not particularly. I, I've been flip-flopping a bit forth on whether I should be taking that Bucks game. I don't know. The, the Bucks game makes no sense to me. I, I think they should I, be favored I, more than three and a half. Yeah. I'm kind of concerned something about the Bucks. I think they're a bad football team. I, I've watched them all year. If you lose I agree, the which Steelers, is why I don't really want to bet on them. Yeah. If you lose the Steelers, you're a bad football team. And it, in that, I thought that was maybe a blip in their season but it's every time i watch the box it's the exact same team that played the steelers and they don't look good the only mm-hmm. other one i had here is uh i think the raiders might be beat the seahawks straight up yeah that was a game that was interesting i debated putting it you know we debated putting it in our previews a bit but it's gonna be a shootout i think so i guess it'll be one of those games where it's kind of a Derek carr versus geno smith off in the sense that who can throw like the bigger plays it yeah. feels like yeah, so that'll, be, that'll interesting. be interesting. But yeah, th- those are my picks for the week. I feel okay about them. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. I mean, some something's got to cool off. I'm five and one, but hopefully they don't. Uh, I think that's I think that's all for this week. I think uh, we got our way to the end here. That's all I got. Uh, we had a good time at the Argos celebration rally on shout uh, out the Argos celebration Thursday. rally. Got to meet the man himself, Chad Kelly. So. Yeah, little one-on-one time with Chad Kelly, which is pretty sweet. Head over to our Instagram. We'll be posting the pic there. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to another episode, guys. We'll be back next week with a little bit of recap and everything else. Yep, see you guys later. Go Bucks. See you, Patrick.